Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 58. Chris, happy January in the middle of it. Yeah, it is in the middle of January. Uh, how's it going? It's going well. I uh, I just got in from having some sun. Uh, very important health thing for me. If I get at least 2,000 IUs of vitamin D from sunlight every day, I feel better about everything and I'm able to get more stuff done and problems that I had that seemed very scary seem much smaller. Uh, I, I think there's something to the Superman thing where he gets energy from the sunlight. I think all humans get energy from the sunlight. And if anyone out there is feeling bad right now, including you, future Christian, uh, you should go out and get some sun. If it's too late to do it today, you want to aim to do it around solar noon, uh, make sure you can do it tomorrow. Uh, that's great advice. I will go outside in the 20 degree overcast weather around here. <laughs> <laughs> and get some sun it's tough right I'm, I'm thinking of uh it doesn't get too cold here that often so like you know this morning i think it was something like 28 degrees but now it's like 52 because it's texas um but i kind of want to build like a little greenhouse outside or something like th- this is a problem that i have that i'd, I'd like to solve of i want to be able to spend time outside and get direct sunlight on my skin but uh have a way to do it so that i'm not also freezing uh i think yeah, I think the greenhouse. Probably. I think the gra- greenhouse would block the UV rays, which actually produce the vitamin D. That's correct, unless yeah, okay. you only build a greenhouse around your four sides and have some sort of a heating. <laughs> mecha- I've thought about this. <laughs> all right, all right. Have some kind of a heating mechanism on the inside. I'm thinking either they make uh, like infrared heating panels that they put in some sure. modern saunas. You could lay on one of those and have it from the side, or you could just have like a heating air fan inside this box. And as long as you don't have too much air getting into the top but you do have direct exposure from the sunlight on top i think that would work that's that's the thing i'm gonna build uh, yeah just get a get a hot tub and then (laughs) go outside i did it yeah 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 that's a really (laughs) good idea i I, uh when uh, i was at an apartment that had a hot tub and uh that was my solution for the winter and it was great and it's so luxurious you take your your little uh you know afternoon hot tub and uh you're doing it for health reasons and yeah it's a a nice break in the day uh i don't think i would like I like the idea of, of a hot box a little bit better mm-hmm. because I could fold it up and it'd be more portable and a hot tub is kind of just involved. You can have water and a bunch of other stuff. And then that's the whole thing with water and chlorine. And I don't know that I want chlorine getting on my skin, but uh, yes, that, that is a good idea. Okay. And it, and it works. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, <laughs> how are you? What, what did you get up to this last week? Uh, I am doing okay. We... Um... I cleaned a lot of my house, including Love my it. office. You can't tell, but my office is a disaster because I dumped out all my things <laughs> and I'm going through them. Um, I'm going to get a new shelf with like bins for my photography equipment, which had been sprawling all over the place. And uh, yeah, so that is what I'm doing. I'm also wiring everything up so there's not wires everywhere. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I did a lot of that this week. From the view that I have, your office looks as immaculate as always. I think it is designed to to be that. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. clever. I think yeah, I, I show a little bit too much of my room in this in this view. I've got like a mess over here that I've had for weeks. I need to tidy that up. But these these shelves need to uh, uh, get tidied up. For people listening, audio only, probably very confused. But Chris's background looks immaculate and like he's in a design studio. And mine looks like I'm in a messy room. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Uh, that's good. Tidying up. That's, uh, that always feels very cathartic for me. Uh, do you do any, any, do you have a system for it? Do you, what, what's your method for tidying up? Um, not really. Uh, we've done, uh, the Marie Kondo thing before. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more like, 
I know what is a mess. And so I take it all. I have this habit of if things are messes, I put them in boxes or bins and then Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, so it, it, the pile of bins has gotten three high. And so I dumped everything (laughs) out of the bins. Um, and then realized a lot of the, the mess is wires, like wires to chargers and wires to, you know, rechargeable battery things and everything. So I have, uh, done some online Ikea shopping and figured out what kind of bins and everything I need to put the wires where they need to go. Yeah. Wire messes I've struggled with my entire life. I don't I don't know what a good solution for that is. Have you what what did you get from IKEA? Do they have a magical wire organizing? No, system? it's a it's a shelf that has enough bins that I know will fit the wires and then I can label it. We have a label maker, okay. right? And so yeah. yeah label. Yeah. yeah. Label makers are key. My current solution to that is I got a I got a tackle box hmm. for uh, so it's a box with a bunch of smaller boxes inside of it. I don't know if it's a tackle box or a jewelry organizing box or something. Um, so for, for cables that I don't have very many of, like uh, micro USB cables, I, I have stopped needing those. So I, I just keep like three or four of them around. So I'll, I'll wrap those up and kind of wrap it in on itself so it stays together and then put those in the one box of micro USB. And that works for like 90% of the types of cables that I have. And then usb to usb c i've got just like a huge bag of and i find i need those the most frequently of anything else also usb c to usb c so those i put in a, a clear ziploc bag and have that in my clear plastic both of those the tackle box and the, and the plastic bag that I have just in my clear plastic bin of uh electronic stuff um and i, I still don't love that because like the time it takes me to go and you know if, if i know exactly what the cable is i need okay i know it's in this tackle box but i still find myself looking through you know eight boxes to find the one box that i actually need and i I feel like they could be faster yeah one thing i have done for those little cables um these are mostly big cables but like uh for those little cables you take toilet paper rolls and you Mm. put them all next to each other and then you and then you roll up the cord so that the ends are facing up and you stick it in the toilet paper roll and then you can just open up the box and you can look at all the ends and just then you can pick out the end that you need that's interesting is it one cable per toilet paper roll yeah yeah Interesting. Yeah, because then the ends are all I care about. Huh. So that has worked pretty well for like USB cables and stuff. A toilet paper roll, I feel like, is way too big for a cable. Do you do you like uh, cut the toilet paper roll in half? No, I mean it's what I don't know, three inches, four inches long or something. And when yeah. you when you wind up a you know even like a three foot cable, like a short cable, it basically fills most of the most of the roll. Okay. Interesting. I'd like to experiment with that. Yeah, because that I could see being much faster of like if I if I just have a box and I open the box, you know, the box is a clear plastic top and the box is the same height as the toilet paper roll. Now I open the box and then I can have I can have the cables. So each each cable has its own toilet paper roll and then I could have the toilet paper rolls in sections. So now I can just open the box and see, ah, that's the one because I'm doing pattern recognition on yeah. what the ends are supposed to be. And then I grab that one. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Two things I like for this too, for like office stuff and then organizing in general. So Adam Savage, um, he has this the YouTube channel called Tested and he this is more like when he's working in a shop, but he has two different principles he organizes things by. One is first order retrievability, which means if you have to open a drawer for something, then that mm. thing's gonna be lost forever. Mm. And so like you need to be able to th- th- now this is for when you're working with it all the time, but like you need to be able to see it and grab it and work with it. And so that's not quite the same for this because things are going to be in drawers but like you need to be able to open a drawer and if you have to dig in that drawer then those things are just lost that's like yeah, my yeah. Bins, right if i have to dig through the bin the thing's just lost um and then the other thing he says is if you're struggling with where to put something don't try to be clever just stop and think 
if I had to find this thing right now, where would I go to get it? And then mm. just put it there <laughs> and don't think too hard about it. Um, because the next, you know, in six months when you're looking for that thing, you're going to go back to that, whatever spot you, you picked. So yeah. those are the two things that like when I organize my garage workshop, I do, um, in a little bit with the office. Yeah. I like that. The, the first order retrievability is interesting. That's, that sounds like it's saying not to put things in bins. Yeah. He hates really bins hard. and he hates, he hates drawers. Um, hmm. but, uh, if you do have to put things in bins and drawers, then make it so you don't dig for it. So that's why the toilet paper rolls, like if they all line things up, you know, and so you can just yeah, yeah. reach in and grab it without moving a whole bunch of other stuff around. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I could be moving more in that direction. My, my current storage solution, I'm the happiest with that I've ever been with any other storage solution of like, I have categories of things and each category is one clear plastic bin. So I'll have like camping is one bin. And then all of my camping stuff goes in there. It, it uh, oh, it's like a um, oh, I think it's called a hash map or a um. Hmm. You, you take the hash of a thing and then you put it in a bucket, and then uh, sure. the the most of the operations on it are like uh, log in, I think. Um, and then and then within that bin, it it is just in order or something. Um, so whenever I'm looking for something, I've had I don't know maybe maybe two or three dozen instances of like thinking of a really esoteric thing that i haven't used in the last year but i know what major category it would be in so i'm able to go exactly to the bin that it's in and then within that bin i've got to root around a little bit for where that thing is but i've found it you know i've had cash hits you know 90 percent of the time <laughs> right uh, i like the analogy like a lot of the a lot of the queuing and like list uh computer science topics i feel like map really well here uh like sorting and uh because yeah it's it, it's the same problems of like you know what's the cost to insert something what's the cost to, to find something <laughs> right. uh, what's the cost to delete something like that's i just want to i want to i want to hash map of all my stuff <laughs> interesting maybe what i want is like a little miniature amazon warehouse where i just i just <laughs> type in the name of the thing i want and then little robots go and find the bin that it's in and then like pluck out the one thing and then deliver it to me on a conveyor belt uh that that would be ideal yeah, well, when you get your billion dollars. <laughs> Good. I could do that for less than a billion dollars. Uh, sure. Cool. Any other uh, insights in tidying up your office? Oh, uh, no. That's all I did for tidying. It, so, okay. yeah, it's a mess now. When I go to Ikea and get my shelf, then I'll be able to put the things that I've sorted away, and that will feel better. So. Sounds yep. good. You've reminded me that I'm due to go through each of my bins, and I'd like some kind of a system to clean them out. I, I really like the Marie Kondo exercise of shifting from like what looking at all your stuff and saying what can i get rid of which is sort of my natural process to like let me dump everything out and i'm looking at all the stuff and by default i'm going to get rid of it i'm either going to give it away or i'm going to throw it away or whatever um and i'm just picking from this the things that i want to keep i'm picking from this the things that spark joy because there's this huge category of stuff in the middle of this gray zone that i sort of feel indifferent about that when i'm when i force myself to default to i'm going to throw all this away it makes it much easier to make the decisions of like, well, you know, th this thing that I feel indifferent about, it's not something I want to keep. It's not something I feel strongly about. So yeah, sure. I'll, I'll just let that go away. I end up, I end up in the Marie Kondo method with fewer things and all of the things are things that I've actively made a choice that I want, as opposed to just like things that I feel indifferent about. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd like, I'd like a more regular process for going through and forcing myself to go through the bins and uh, and do that filtering on them. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, it's probably something I have to get better at, especially with my office stuff anyway. But it gets tricky with kids' stuff too, because as soon as you get rid of something that a kid 
wants, then they will ask for it. That's the rule <laughs> about kid stuff. So, yeah, we have a. I hope my uh, kids don't listen to this. We have they won't, but we have, we have a two two phase uh, removal process for getting rid of stuff that the kids want. We uh, take stuff that we think they don't play with anymore, and we'll put it mm-hmm. in a box and put the box in a special spot. And mm-hmm. then if they don't ask for it in like six months or a year, we get rid of it. Yeah, at least it's out of the way, you know. But if they do ask for it, we're like, oh, let me go find that. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. That, that has saved us a few times. <laughs> that's smart. That's good. Yeah, and then if it's been a year, like, probably not going to Yeah, they don't even yeah. remember. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, ideally, like, I, you're a parent. You've had much more experience in this, so I'm, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip. But I, I would love to get to the point where, like, my kids have internalized the same sort of systems. Like, they're taking ownership of, uh, you know, maybe we go through together this Marie Kondo process and like I'm walking them through the same sort of process that I do. Um, but I think that'd be, uh, that'd be challenging. Yeah. We have done that too. So like, so Christmas just came and went. And before that we were like, you have a certain amount of space in your room. If you get stuff for Christmas, you won't be able to fit it. So let's get rid of some old stuff. And so we, we did go through the process of like, you know, you don't play with this anymore. You're going to get some neat new stuff. So why don't you get rid of this to make room for that? Um, and that works too. Um, this is, I was just talking about like when we want to sneakily get rid of something. Yeah, Yeah. 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 I feel that. Uh, cool. You have been working on a Kaggle composition for the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, I heard a rumor that that is wrapped up. What's, yes. Uh, what's the status? What happened? Yeah. I, so this was like on Monday. So, so the contest ended on Friday. On Monday, I almost had rage quit the contest because <laughs> oh, no. I was like, I was doing poorly and nothing was really working and I wanted to do Acorn Chat, which we had talked about for a few weeks. So I was good. Mm-hmm. I was just going to quit. And I thought, no, I will stick it out and like actually do s- some more things that I think are going to work. Um, and I ended up out of almost 4,000 teams, I ended up in 194th place, which is like top 6%. Out of 4,000? Um, My gosh, yeah. 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 That's so great. Not awesome, but top 6%. Um, it's not bad. Um, if I would have quit on Monday, I would have been like top 25, 30%. Um, so That's a huge I, jump. Fantastic. Yeah, so, so I jumped a lot. Uh, part of the reason I was feeling so bad and part of the reason I was down on the competition last week was because... Uh, the public leaderboard um, and the private leaderboard. So uh, to remind people, as you're going through the competition, you get ranked on what's called the public leaderboard, which is a certain test set. You can't see the test set. Your code just runs against it. And then you get a score and you get ranked on that score. And at the end of the competition, you get everyone gets re-ranked on a private private test set that no one has, like that uh, no code has run, been run on before. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it's public leaderboard, private leaderboard. And the distributions were slightly different. And so I was actually doing kind of bad on the public leaderboard, but it turns out I was doing pretty good on the on the private one. So I jumped mm. uh, 700 and something places um, from... So, so I thought I was doing sort of poorly, and I ended up, you know, jumping 700 places. So, uh, and, and a bunch of people fell, like, you know, five 600 places. Um, so that's part of the reason I was not feeling great about it. It turns out I was doing pretty well. I just didn't know it. <laughs> and so uh, I, I trusted the process and ended up doing okay. But, yep. That's great. Done. Well done. Um, several follow-up questions. Uh, first of all, the, the, I love that mechanism. That's, that's something we talked before of having the, the secret data set that they're testing on because an obvious way to game the system is just to overfit to the yep. test data. Uh, and then you have something that scores very well, but that's useless in, when you're actually using it. So I, uh, I like that a lot. Um, I'm curious if the mechanism of that, we may have talked about this before, but I'm having trouble remembering. How do they test your code against their secret data set are you sending in your code or are you sending in your model and they they run the model or are they sending you the, the new test data set and you tell them uh just like the, the categorization yeah so it works a couple different ways um previously so like a year or two ago 
um, it would they would either send the test set out and you have to rescore it in a certain number of days, or mm-hmm. you just get access to the test set from the beginning and you have to send in just the submission file. Mm-hmm. But recently that's been changing. So once Calendar got bought by Google, they um, they're owned by Google, by the way. Um, they have lots of competition or they uh, like uh, resources. So you know. Google Colab basically runs as Kaggle kernels is called. And so, okay. yeah, you actually submit your code. So you create something called a kernel, which runs top to bottom. And basically they, at test time, they fill a directory with test data and then your kernel has access to that data. So you never see it, but your code will. That, that is, is so that. cool. Yeah. So that's how I do it. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you just send it, you, you make a little brain, <laughs> you send in your brain to Google and then they, have your brain yeah. make a bunch of decisions let, let you know your little uh your little child did uh cool yeah that's a good system and then that that seems like it would be robust against people gaming the system unless they did something really clever where like if you build into your model that it made an http request and then like you could manually categorize the data somewhere else or so, try that so they yeah so they turn internet off okay so that's the biggest way um some people have tried things like so you see I mean, you know how long your model ran for, mm. and that's the only information you get out. So mm. per submission, you get basically one bit of information out, which is how much your model ran for. Yeah. So people have tried in the past things like putting sleeps in their code so that it runs for a certain amount of time yeah, based on yeah. something or other. Um, since they, I mean, Google has all your code, and so they can then, I, I would hope that they try to sort of, you know, do some code analytics or something to try to figure out if people are trying to do that because that's i guess the rules you're, you're yeah. not supposed to try to get out any information about the test set so <laughs> how funny that like yeah if theoretically if if you had infinite submissions just with this one bit of information like you could have access to the whole data set it would just take you a really long time <laughs> yeah you, you, could, you could just tell it to like run for you know, start at start at the first bit of input data. <laughs> that's that's how long you sleep for. And then the second time you run, give me the second bit. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, no. I hope so. It, it, yeah, and the other way they do it is they limit submissions. So most yeah, have yeah. five submissions a day. Uh, this last one only had two a day, and I'm not 100 percent sure why. Um, but yeah, yep. Okay, uh, that's great. That yeah, you're following the process. It's uh, congratulations on scoring so well. In this, my my next question. This is. Sounds like from our, our conversations about this problem in particular that it felt like it was sort of futile. That like because you had such wild variation, even in identical images in the same test set, that it, it felt sort of like you know you're you're gonna end up overfitting anyway. Um, there's not enough information to solve this adequately. Um, how I get I'm, I'm I found myself being a little surprised that like you devoted this much energy to it when it sounded like you you had sort of resolved yourself to that this isn't a solvable problem um yeah. how, how are you framing that yeah uh that's a good question because i don't know <laughs> um, okay <laughs> uh it's a, it's an interesting part of my yeah like that like i almost didn't i almost just said you know this is not really solvable and so i i almost quit because like the top maybe say 20 percent of people more or less had the same solution like they use mm-hmm. different models and you know a few like different tricks and stuff um and the tricks are what you know made uh, you know, the like the gold medal tier, like do well, but mm-hmm. like most mostly, like if you're running this in production, the top twenty percent of teams or so had basically the same solution. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. So I 
I don't know. I, I, what do you think? <laughs> what's your What's your analysis of why I would like some of it's sunk cost fallacy? Like I'd already spent all this time on it. I might as well spend a little more time to get a better a better rank or whatever. Even though rank doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I also don't know. I just, <laughs> that's how I wasn't prepared for you to throw that back at me. Uh, I I did I, learn more. So I okay. I thought I had stopped learning, and part of my whole reason for doing this, my most of the reason is just learn new things. Okay. And I got to a point where I was like, I've learned all I can from this competition. Yeah. And then I think I don't know if I had read a discussion post or something, and I like I didn't understand part of it, and so I was like, well, at least I can work on that, and I will learn about that. And so I learned about that, and I worked on that and so i did learn some more in the final you know few days of competition Mm -hmm. um so that that's the only that's that's probably (laughs) why i kept going okay that's fair this uh, this is the sort of game that we talk about where like you can't lose like right even if you're working towards a problem that can't be solved you know you had the breakthrough in the last hour of figuring out how you could push forward from the the 25th percentile to the fourth percentile um so you know you've you've learned more about AI and ML and uh, how to solve this type of problem in the future. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Um, can you can you talk about in a way that I under, understand the changes that you made at the end, uh, or you want to keep that your your secret sauce for no, future yeah. competitions? Uh, one thing I did was swapped models, so I was using one particular model, and actually in the middle of the competition, it's like two weeks ago, uh, Facebook released I think it was Facebook released a new model, a new vision model. Hmm. which uh was different and you know so uh i don't want to get too much in the weeds but it is a it is a revision of an old model so that they kind of used an old model and trained it in a different way so that it achieves state-of-the-art results cool um and so i basically used that model and that model was showing you know some more some promise over the other model that i had cool um and then the other thing was i realized one of the things i realized so the the data wasn't distributed normally uh, it was kind of skewed to one side um, and one thing I realized was that the public leaderboard, people getting good scores on the public leaderboard actually was probably an indication that they were doing more like poorly on the private leaderboard, hmm. um, it, compared to a certain like, uh, cross validation scheme, because my theory was they randomly selected the pri- the public and private leaderboard together. And then they hmm. randomly split off the public leaderboard scores. And if they did that, then doing slightly better on the public leaderboard would actually lower your score on the private leaderboard. Um, I don't know if this is getting too the weeds. Anyway. Hold on. I've lost you. What's <laughs> a, there's the private uh, leaderboard, which so, is so that's your was, final score. I'll explain it like this. So so okay. the it was split up into dogs and cats, right? So there are dogs and cats in the data set. Dogs were harder to predict than cats. So say they selected 1,000 dogs and 1,000 cats for the test set, and then they divided that randomly into public and private leaderboards. If you're doing better on the public leaderboard compared to your cross-validation, then that might just be because there's more cats in the public leaderboard and more dogs in the private leaderboard. Like, say, if they split it up equally and then divided. And that was my guess. So what I started doing was much more rigorously uh, comparing my cross-validation to the public leaderboard. And I actually picked the two answers, which um, correlated better like they had a slightly worse public leaderboard score, but my guess was it correlated better to the private leaderboard. Um, so these are the, these are the kind of tricks that you do in Kaggle that like don't matter at all for real world. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. It, it sounds like you're just gaming Kaggle exactly. with like the you're, you're reverse engineering the way that they would be picking their public uh, yeah. test set. Yeah. Okay. And so that boosted me probably 50 places um, in the end, just doing it that way. Um, but that, the rest of it was this other model, um, which I learned all about. So yeah, cool. Uh, 
Neat. Well, congratulations on scoring well. Uh, that's cool. Is there is there another Kaggle competition lined up? Uh, there are. Uh, I start my class, my next class tomorrow, though. So we'll see how much how much time I have. Plus, you know, if I want to do any work at all, <laughs> that eats up a lot of time. But uh, yeah, the next one I had started was a, a natural language processing one, which I haven't done much of. Um, and so I've already learned a bunch with that. And so that's neat. Um, it is the, the the next one that I might do is it's a, they took essays written by sixth to twelfth graders, and they want to. It's by Georgia State University, and they want to provide like an open source. They, their goal is create like an open source. Uh, like essay feedback tool for these grades and the first part of that is to just identify different parts of the essay and so like this is a lead this is a conclusion these are claims this is a rebuttal this is a whatever um and so they had a bunch of human annotators go and annotate like fifteen thousand essays with all these different parts of the essay um and now they want to build a machine learning model to do it and then presumably like you submit your you know as a sixth grader you would submit your thing and it'd be like maybe you should have more than one claim in your essay or whatever amazing um that's cool so how interesting i have not having a robot essay grader that could give you like yeah actually what an interesting problem yeah there's actually been a lot of robot essay grading like papers and stuff published um so this isn't grading necessarily but it's more it's more like analysis of essays but yeah yeah Mm. Mm -hmm. offering offering directed feedback on uh, right. things that could be improved okay i like that a lot the the goal i think of the uh dog and cat photo thing was something similar that like you could offer suggestions of uh you know maybe if you improve the lighting of this photo it, it could be a better dog photo or something uh, yeah. and then based on the data it ended up being like <laughs> if you make this dog more of a cat that, that yep. would improve it. <laughs> um uh but or, or does it seem so far with uh how far you've dug into it that you would be able to uh say things like you know uh maybe offer more evidence for the claims that you're making yeah so the um they actually gave information about how it was human annotated and the human annotators so the volunteer they had volunteer human annotators and like professional ones and the volunteer human annotators got a like an inter agreement score of 0.73 out of one um, and the current top model on Kaggle is getting 0.7. So it is wow. currently doing yeah about as well as a volunteer annotator. So wow. if it gets above 0.73, it will be doing better than volunteers, more like the professionals. So That's yeah. amazing. What an interesting period of time that we're living in. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of like uh, when computers first started playing chess, there was this really interesting period where like, humans and computers are sort of trading off and then it was like oh the best teams are humans and computers at the same time uh, that are uh, playing together and now now on chess it's just like yeah <laughs> no human can beat a computer uh the the chess engine on your cell phone is better than the the world's best human uh and we're still in this really interesting place with most of these problems of like yeah for grading an essay and offering directed feedback like we're, we're still kind of trading off like <laughs> it's it's still this this interesting place where uh humans are still holding their own and computers are uh learning how to get up there man how cool to like <laughs> be seeing this happening boots on the ground like computers just learning how to solve these problems one one problem after another um there was a there was a problem we talked about of uh the crypto trading uh mm-hmm. that we only talked about once and I, I think you didn't work on it again is that right yeah yeah i i haven't uh because like we're we mentioned during the crypto one that it's i mean it's basically a gamble you know and so in you basically have to write a whole, you know, software bot and then submit it. Um, so, like, how much time do I want to spend on a gamble? Uh, and so that's been my uh, analysis of that so far. Yeah, so I haven't gone back okay. and looked at it. It still has, like, three weeks left or something. But, um, 
I, so I, I might, you know, do something simple and submit it, but uh, I, I haven't spent a lot of time on that one. That's fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading more uh, Nassim Taleb books of like the Black Swan and the uh, Fooled by Randomness and things. And he is just so critical against <laughs> that type of game. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's left a taste in my mouth of like, okay, this, <laughs> yes, I might be able to have some edge here, but like, I, I just don't want to become that person. Um, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. At, at uh, the same at the same yeah. time, it's free to enter, and so you can go to Kaggle and you can you can see it and uh, sign up and get see all the data. And uh, you don't have to use AI to do it; you could just use some simple algorithm. And, uh, yeah, I might do that and just like <laughs> be completely random and just see how it does. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Math.rand, and if it's over five, buy, and if it's less than that, sell, and yeah. see how that does. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. It has to be in uh, Python, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's on PyTorch. Python. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll learn a little bit more Python for that. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I would love to ask about Acorn Chat and this uh, mm. getting it on the Slack App Store. Uh, what what's the current status of that, and uh, what what ground would you like to make in this next week? Uh, yeah, I did nothing again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair. Uh, part of it was the Kaggle competition, so I was going to stop the Kaggle competition on Monday, uh, but I ended up going till Friday, which is the mm. day it ended. Um, and then I cleaned my house and. Uh, so that is what I did instead. I, like we talked about last time, it's like something that's an, I want to do it for sure. Yeah. And it's important to me, but it's also something that has no deadline. And, um, other than you has no one asking about it. Yeah. And so I can ignore it and I'll feel bad about ignoring it, but there's no consequences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I want consequences. It might just be something that I continue to <laughs> ignore. I got a lot of work done this week, like yeah, uh, on my house and stuff. Um, so yeah, and I, I don't know how I feel. The, the, the other excuse I'll give is that I still feel like it's vacation mode a little bit because school starts up tomorrow. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I still want to do it, but I have not okay. done anything. <laughs> I'm I'm especially interested in this because I am in... I, I have this sort of relationship to projects all the time, and it's very frustrating at times. Like, you know, this, this serverless file inbox thing. My God, I've been talking about this <laughs> since we started this podcast. Um, and it's still not done. <laughs> I, I uh, resent myself a little bit for that. Of like, I don't know, I don't know yet what the what the external framework is that I can be imposing on myself so that I can get this project done. Um, and like you said, you know, there's there's value in the productive procrastination created by having some bigger thing that you know we know we need to get done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you set out in the beginning of this week, like, oh yeah, the most important thing I need to do this week is uh, clean my house. Like, no way that would have gotten done. <laughs> right. But you would have gotten something <laughs> else done. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm curious to push on this a little bit of like, this is a thing that you want to get done that you've uh, wanted to do for a while that when we broke it down, it seemed like it was manageable steps to walk towards this goal of getting it in the Slack app store. Um, how How would you like the world to be different how how uh what what would you like to have on this next week that that didn't happen last week yeah that's a good question maybe instead of so i had the thought when you were saying that that instead of working on it directly maybe my goal next week will just be so so i've done in the past this thing called morning pages uh, it's mm. from a book called the artist way and it's where you write out like they recommend three pages long hand um and it it can be about anything but the way i found it really helpful is like directed at something so mm. 
when I first started, I did about anything and, and that helps. It's more like a meditation at that point, but I've also found it really helpful for like specific decisions or like clarifying your thinking about something. Yeah. Um, so maybe just a, f- a few sessions of, you know, three page long, long hand, uh, writing out about it. Um, <laughs> I think that will, uh, um, that could really help clarify what I'm, what I'm actually thinking about it. So maybe that I, I feel confident that I could complete that goal. <laughs> yeah. That resonates with me. I've found the same sort of thing. I, uh, found out about the the morning pages a, a couple of years ago and adapted it for myself to transcribe me talking to myself like a lunatic while out on morning walks by myself yeah. <laughs> i've got my airpods in so i i like to fantasize that people who see me are just like oh clearly he's talking on the phone with someone uh but no i'm just talking to myself uh and <laughs> that's been really useful especially when i direct it towards a project um also just generally useful of like if there's a if there's a blog post i'm trying to get out or like if mm-hmm. there's if there's a thing bothering me in my life and just talking about it uh helps me get to a resolution but on mornings where it is directed at the project where i'm like okay what's the thing on file inbox that i need to do next like why am i stuck and if i were going to work on this what would the plan be uh that does feel like a way to unblock being blocked uh, of like you know after after 40 minutes of just talking about it and i have the whole thing laid out of like if i was going to work on this these are the next 10 things i would do it feels like now that has created a lot of negative pressure of <laughs> I, I now walk into my house and then I, of course, immediately go into that because right. that's the thing I've been thinking about for the last 40 minutes. Um, yeah, I like that. I've, I've never formalized that, though, as a way to get unstuck on projects. It just sort of happened accidentally. So I, I like the way you frame that as I can, I can direct that morning pages thinking towards a thing that I want to be moving more in the direction of and then that now more of my attention is pointed in that direction. So that's the, the way I'm going to move. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, it sounds like for this next week, then you want to do some morning pages, uh, just like about acorn chat in general. Yep. Cool. I can commit to that. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to do the same thing for uh file inbox serverless stuff. Cool. Uh, neat. I have some very exciting news for this next week. Uh, I saw you look up as if you I, were. I hear, a I hear a kid yelling. Uh, it's once. Yes, that's no. I think oh, is that's that you? Mine. I think okay, okay. Not my child. <laughs> that's uh, my my nephew Jack. Uh, yes. So sorry, listeners, if you're if you're <laughs> freaking out. There's, there's a uh, a child who's not very happy in my space right now, uh, and I don't even know how I'd edit that out. Ah, it's fine. Don't bother. <laughs> just just put up with it, listeners. <laughs> Babies cry in the world sometimes. That's uh, a <laughs> thing that happens. Uh, okay. I, uh, pushed forward my executive assistant. I have right. an executive assistant now. Woo. I talked with her. It was great. Her name is Rachel and she's very helpful. And I had my first call with her last week and I was so anxious. Like my palms were sweaty and I was, <laughs> had all this imposter syndrome of like, who am I to be directing this other person to be doing work for me? But it's great. Oh, I just, oh man, just like it's created this negative pressure now of, anything involving customer support I, oh i have a person for that now and um i'm building up a queue of okay after she solved this problem for me here are some other things she can be doing for me and man i love it um there was a moment in particular on the call that i just felt great about i uh was was saying something about like oh man you know i feel terrible about this email and you know i, I feel really uncomfortable writing responses to it and she was like oh i love this like i've, I've been to customers for a while and i was like really you do oh <laughs> oh where have you been why why haven't i done this earlier 
Uh, so that's great. I have another call with her tomorrow, uh, on call number one. I just got her set up of like groove is my system for doing this. And I logged into my customer support email for the first time in a year mm. and, uh, saw that there were only 800 emails, which is less than I thought there would be. <laughs> uh, it's like an average of, I don't know, one and a half a day or something. Yeah. Uh, totally manageable. And you know, a lot of those are spam and just things that I haven't seen. And a lot of them are just people asking for refunds. And I feel like such a mm. scumbag of like, I'm sorry. I I don't know why I haven't responded to your email, and but uh, I have a person for it now. And I'm trying my best to to get that to be uh, to be better. Um, I have had a few people like break through this firewall though, and like reach out to me on Twitter. And for those mm. problems, I've I've been able to to solve it for them. And some people have called me. I have like my phone number on the bill, so like I don't I don't feel like atrocious about it because I, I feel like the people who like really needed to get stuff done, they were able to get it done. Um, but yeah, still still feels bad. Um, but it's getting fixed, and I feel good about that. Uh, in the process of doing that, I have two very good excuses for why I didn't get any of the <laughs> All right. you assigned me done. Uh, the first was, so I, I, I think last time we talked about how I uh, had... Uh, I had updated file inbox like up to the deadline right before the first of this year so that it supported the new OAuth system for Dropbox. And as part of doing that, uh, some sort of gem compatibility thing and mm. like deploying it at, at some point in that, I was like, okay, well, I better upgrade to Rails 6. Uh, and also I have to upgrade this gem for Dropbox. And uh, let me just recompile all the gems. Okay, let me test that like I can still sign up for an account and I can still uh, send a file. Oh, okay, that looks pretty good. Let me ship it. Ah, oh, phew. That, all right, we, we can move on to something else now. And uh, fast forward uh, a week ago, uh, you know, January, I don't know, 10th or 11th-ish. And I am trying to walk Rachel through the settings page on one of the pages. Because I'm like, oh, this customer just asked for this thing. Uh, you don't know what my product is yet, so let me show you like how he would do this thing. So I, uh, I'm walking her through, and I'm like, okay, change this thing. And uh, you should be seeing a save button at the bottom of the page. And she's like, uh, nope. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, uh, that might be broken. Anyway, <laughs> on to the next thing. And uh, so I scramble after the call to be like, was that just her computer? Was there like a browser incompatibility issue? So I, I go to it on my computer, and I'm like, ah, nope. That sure <laughs> is broken. And... I don't know why it was broken. Uh, it had something to do with the transition component. I had this clever little animation where the save button would like bounce up from the top, the bottom of the screen, uh, and getting rid of that and just having like you know, if this component should be shown, show it, and if not, hide it. Uh, so I switched to that, and then it worked. And then I pushed it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's been like that for ten days. No one's mm-hmm. been able to to uh, uh, update their page settings. I understand why. MRR has gone down. Uh, it, it gone. It went down like surprisingly, uh, like like more than it should be. Um, okay, well now that that's fixed, we we should be good to go. And then <laughs> uh, I had I had an uh, one of the one of the emails that came in. How did I get prompted on this? Actually, I don't remember. Something happened where where it brought up the same sort of an issue, but uh, with billing and uh, what I think it was someone trying to change their plan or someone trying to downgrade oh no it was someone who dm'd me on twitter and they were like hey i'm trying to buy your thing but i can't when i try to buy your thing it says this error that's some rails error of like you can't update this attribute or something and i was like oh no (laughs) uh i'm so sorry about that uh let me try to fix that for you so i log in and of course billing's broken also and 
apparently when I updated the Dropbox API, because I hadn't froze the, the Stripe gem at the specific version, mm. it was like, ah, well, the Dropbox API needs this version of Faraday. I, I don't know what Faraday is, but my God, it's caused me so many problems. Uh, we have to update the most recent version of Stripe that supports that Faraday. And that is this other version of Stripe that is more recent than the <laughs> six-year-old version of the Stripe gem that you've been uh, using. And of course, they handle the concept of a payment in a completely different way. Mm. Uh, you treat it like as a as a list of subscriptions as opposed to just one subscription that you can have. So I had to go through all of my billing stuff. And as part of that, I was like, can I just downgrade the gem? No, I can't because now it's incompatible. My gosh. Uh, but I was able to fix that uh, after many hours of work. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like I spent my time <laughs> on file inboxes this last week in the way that would raise MRR the most, <laughs> which is... <laughs> fixing billing <laughs> so that people can actually pay me money yeah. so that's that's why i didn't work on marketing stuff and uh also has reaffirmed that like man i have to get off this code base this this is a sinking ship and i i gotta transition over just as soon as i can uh yeah that's that's how that went uh yeah uh, i will accept your excuse for that. <laughs> thank you um yeah i mean that that sucks when you when something's broken and you don't know two things broken i guess um yeah, that, that'll teach you to do something clever like animations or <laughs> upgrading rails. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, I don't. There's no. Uh, I was gonna say there's no great answer for for that kind of thing. Um, I guess tests are the answer, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, full, big, full like an, an integration test, yeah. I think, or something. I'm gonna be prioritizing for uh, the serverless thing. I'm not. I'm not quite sure how to do that on Vercel. What I'd like to do is like mm-hmm. deploy to my testing app first. And then have all my integration tests run on that and have those be complicated of like just just a person interacting with the browser and dragging and dropping a file in and stuff. And then only if that passed, push to the main branch. Um, but yeah. I, that, that's a thing I need to look into. Yeah, my, my guess is if you Google continuous integration for cell, then you could find lots of blog posts about it probably. So Cool. I'll take that out. Um, one other thing that came to mind is um, in billing, I'm really excited to move my billing system over to the Stripe integration with Firebase because hmm. they have a first-class integration of like, here's the standard way to do this with Firebase and we we update your models for you and keep everything in sync. Um, and then also move my entire billing page over to Stripe's hosted billing page because Stripe now I just never... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, now I just never have to think about that again. Um, have you played with that? Have you have you done anything with their checkout page? Yeah, I've done... I think almost all the Stripe stuff I've done has been checkout because Wonderful. It, yeah, it, it's so much easier than like I've done it before in the old way and yeah, Stripe checkout so, so much easier. They used to like not support everything, but now I think they support most everything. Like you can even do metered billing and all that stuff with checkout. So love it. Uh, yeah. It's way easier. You don't have to ever write a change credit card form again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. What a fantastic product. Thank yeah. you, Stripe. <laughs> know exactly what I need. Yeah. So like, moving moving the infrastructure so that like I'm, I'm just hiring stripe to handle all of it stripe you just tell me you know what plan this person subscribed to and whether or not they're active uh and i'll i'll just handle requests that that you send me uh and you handle all the rest of it and then send me money uh yeah that's that's the situation i want to be in and sort of like that's that's the philosophy that i'm trying to move towards right of like I don't want to think about hosting ever again. I don't want to think about servers. I, I just want to send Google my code and you run it for me. And if it has to run more, scale it up for me. Um, the, the, it seems like it's never been easier to be a solopreneur and just like hire companies to be handling these problems for me. I'm, I'm really excited to, to move this infrastructure over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like billing is like, 
people who know how to do development, one of the big things that they're scared of is billing. Um, mm. And Stripe Checkout is the thing to look at if you're scared of billing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to integrate it. Uh, I have two more things, including a, a dude, where's my segment? For? Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that till the end. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I think I may have solved the humidity problem, and I did it with mm. an evaporative humidifier. It's this whole house humidifier all the humidifiers i've had up until this point have been ultrasonic it, you have like a, a little speaker in a pool of water and it vibrates and makes little micro particles of water come up and then those evaporate really quickly i found another type of humidifier from this youtube video where it's like a wick that goes in the water and you sit it just in this huge bucket of water and then it runs air through it and then it's immediately evaporative and it can work in an entire house uh so it, it's taken a while and a bunch of weird creative solutions like like misting a spray bottle in the room but uh i, I think i finally figured that out um and as part of that i ha felt inspired to like write down all the stuff on air that i've been thinking about so i wrote my first blog post in a while at gen.co slash air that talks about all of the air stuff that i've been thinking about and uh the problems i had at each step and how i solved them <coughs> excuse me yeah. That's awesome. I just pulled it up. I need to read that. Our we have a humidifier in our room, and it just died. It's it was an ultrasonic one, mm -hmm. and um, I was I was looking for a new one on Amazon, and I read a review that talked about how ultrasonic humidifiers can uh, potentially, if you have hard water, it can mm -hmm. like aerosolize the minerals in the hard yeah. water. Um, so I need to read more on that because that didn't sound good. Yeah, <laughs> so. if you're not using filtered water in an ultrasonic humidifier, all of the little particles and chlorine and minerals and stuff because it's because it's microparticles of air of of water that are going into the air that's taking with it all of that dust and dirt so what i found was if i'm not using if i'm not using filtered water with those humidifiers the uh pm 2.5 that the dust in the air shoots way up uh so like yes the humidity does go up but like it's it's almost not worth the the pm 2.5 going up um and then sometimes depending on the water I, I still haven't quite figured this out the vocs also go up hmm. um that's that's still something i'm trying to figure out but yeah I, I think the promise of evaporative humidifiers is because it's just the water going straight to uh the, that it's in the air uh the the sediment stays in the bucket of water yeah that's that's what this post said too now it was a random amazon comment and so i took it uh with a huge grain of salt but yeah it yeah. said that evaporative evaporative uh humidifiers don't have a problem so um it referenced papers that that did it so i was going to read those papers and try to figure out exactly what they said um i will report back if i do that but yeah we didn't buy, i didn't buy another ultrasonic mister because i want to read those before i <laughs> buy something yeah cool yeah i think evaporative is the way to go and i have a link in my agenda coast air blog post right. for the I'll specific one that i recommend uh cool i think that's that uh Last last segment, uh, dude. Where's my heart? It was stolen by oh, no. by my uh, cousins coming with their kids. Uh, I spent a bunch of time with them, and uh, oh, if, so yes. that's a good dude. Where's my? <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, they're, they're just adorable. It was uh, it was a lot of fun hanging out with them. Got to go to a petting zoo, and like the the sorts of places are just so much more interesting with kids. Like I was at a I was at a park, and uh, George, my cousin's son, who's I think. I think four uh pointed to a tree and was like there's an ant there and i was like first of all like of course <laughs> we're outside but then the more overwhelming feeling was like yes yes little child there is an ant there welcome to the world it is beautiful and, yeah. and lush and full of life and yes you've identified an ant and 
what can you tell me about that ant and what are you what are you seeing and uh man just made for such a such a more rich experience i i had reaffirmed that like i'm really looking forward to having kids uh so uh, kids are really cool yeah yeah I, I mean having kids uh is is great in the ways that you just pointed out um it can also be awful like don't i don't want to downplay that yeah but <laughs> uh you know and so so i but but yeah generally it's it's great watching kids like experience the world um yeah it, it's cool i've had an ongoing conversation with my uh college roommate luke who uh about kids and he he's pretty firmly in the camp of not wanting kids um and references things like you know the, the happiness and life satisfaction and relationship satisfaction studies that say after having kids all of those metrics go down um and probably and also like it seems like the thing that, that gets increased is meaning and purpose and like uh, kids seem worth the sacrifice that like uh, if if i could if i could choose to be less happy and do something really meaningful that's worth that sacrifice of just hedonistically like uh catering to my every whim uh i i would like to do that um there's a quote by i think it's jordan peterson that talks about if you don't have kids uh what the hell else are you going to do after you're 60 and i like that (laughs) because it's it's very rare that i think people continue to get satisfaction from their career or uh their their friends uh after you're that age and like yeah I i think i think that's a really good reason to have kids so i'm looking forward to it yeah I mean, we talked last week about like uh wishing to live two lives and so yeah i mm. wish i could live a life without kids and one with kids and like yeah. experience both things because i think you know like i i uh love my kids and i am glad that i had them but i you know i, I like i understand people who don't want them because they definitely yeah. it, it's a sacrifice in a lot of ways um so yeah i i uh i am thankful for the experience i have i, I wish i could experience both but i can't so i chose the one i wanted more so yeah we need a it's a wonderful life situation where you can see what, what the <laughs> ultimate right. reality would be. Oh, there's a musical also about this concept called If Then. Uh, beautiful. They, at one point in the musical, they split this woman's life. Uh, Idina Menzel, who also voiced uh, Elsa in Frozen, uh, played the, the this role originally. And uh, she has this trivial decision of like, do I do I go to lunch with this friend or do I go to lunch with this mm. other friend? And then from that moment, they, they split and you get to follow her two realities of uh how it ended up and uh children are involved and it was really interesting watching the musical of like uh, depending on the moment it was, it was kind of random which one had the better life and it, it mm-hmm. seemed at first like oh man this was clearly the, the better decision because look at how much better this happened but then that thing ended up in a huge tragedy and timeline b uh was was much further ahead but then it, it flip-flopped like a, a few more times uh yeah but but specifically with kids like I know so many more old people who have had families and are uh, uh, content and, and like have a have a support network uh, than I know people who did not have kids and have their life together at, in the same sort of way. And I I sure do know a whole bunch of elderly people who just kind of lived the single life for as long as they could. And now we're just in these terrible situations of like, even the ones who did relatively well with money, uh, seems like a very lonely existence of, uh, <laughs> there's only so many things you can buy to like, uh, give you, give you life satisfaction that, uh, I think, I think humans need to do hard things to, to sacrifice their own happiness for other people to be able to live a, a meaningful and fulfilled life. 
Yeah. Um, not to end on a down note or anything, but I do know, so like one of my friends, they decided not to have kids, not necessarily because they didn't want them, although they didn't. Um, but they're, both of their families have huge histories of very severe mental illness and mm. they don't have it, thankfully, but it's all genetic. And so like if they had a kid, there's a really good chance that it would have, you know, bipolar disorder or, or I, I don't know exactly what the specifics are, but, um, so they decided not to because they didn't want to. And there's a really good chance that it could really, really like if you have a kid with a chronic illness, like it can mm. be just life draining. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there is there is that risk you know you get a chronic illness or some kind of chronic problem and, and you get yeah. sort of a life-sucking uh experience um not to put a downer on things but yeah. kids kids are great what am i what do i know <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure that'd be that'd be really challenging that's and that's something i'm fearful of, of like yeah if i if i have a child and he ends up having a, a terrible disorder emotionally or physically or mentally or something like man that would be a challenge that would be uh that would be very difficult um, and I think it's worth the risk and <laughs> I, I hope I'm never looking back on this. Like <laughs> Christian, what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I like humans. I think there should yeah, be more yeah. of them. And, uh, I think, you know, based on, based on average people, uh, I feel like I could be a better father than most people that I meet. Uh, so I think me in particular should be having more people uh those are, those are my thoughts on that <laughs> yeah that's good uh, the, the other thing i'll say to end it on a slightly more upbeat thing is as long as you have the attitude of like you know we'll figure it out um that, that's that's what we did so we had when our daughter was born there was a chance that she had a pretty bad heart problem um mm. and then they basically said just wait <laughs> six months and mm. you know usually kids were out of it and if they don't then it's, it's really severe but usually they do and mm. um so for six months we were like we'll figure it out you know like if it really mm. turns out to be really bad we'll figure it out and then it it turned out to be totally fine like she i guess when the heart grows it grows like a webbing and if it doesn't close all the way then that's a really big problem because you're leaking mm. blood between the valves but babies like just grow a lot and so most of the time it grows together and so that's what happened um and uh yeah now they said it's she's totally normal but there's a chance that she she wouldn't have been but yeah um i think having the we'll figure it out like mentality is, is really good in those situations so that's what I'll say. We'll figure it out. That must have been so difficult for this six months. My gosh, to to just be in that yeah, I mean, state. We basically had to forget about it. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing we could do. So just like, yeah. Yeah, just forget about it. And six yeah. months we have a follow up. So it's a good life philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't catastrophize. Don't you know? You'll you'll get there when you get there. You'll uh, yeah. You don't have to have everything figured out right now. Just uh, shrink your time scale until it feels manageable. Of like, all right, we're we're just gonna get through the next week and if that's too overwhelming like all right we'll just get through the next day or, or the next hour um yeah good seems like seems like going through that experience would uh make you a, a better more resilient person yeah maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> cool hopefully all right uh, i feel like we're upbeat now <laughs> good uh chris that's all i got that's all i got too then i'll see you next week goodbye bye